Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles right Studios in Stark Fringe Radio. Dark Fringe Radio. Thanks for joining in, everyone. We got a great one for you tonight. Yep, and uh, we got uh, Gab on the line with us tonight. Gab, how's it going, hon? Going good. How are you guys doing? Very good, very good. Yeah, this week, uh, Jay's not going to be on the line uh, for the intro or for the interview, but uh, he will be here for the outro and his uh, his last couple of things for the, the week, so we'll have him on. So never fear, Jay okay. will be here. And uh, we got an interview uh, tonight, which is uh, pretty uh, interesting, with Ethan Clay. And uh, Ethan Clay is uh, one of the uh, paranormal investigators on a show called The Ghost Finders that's been on Roku for about eight seasons now. And uh, very you know, high successful you know, uh, paranormal show. I think it's the highest rated paranormal show on the uh, Roku um, lineup, and uh, we're going to have him on the line here in a little bit to talk about the show and talk about some of the other projects that he's worked on in the past and what he uh, plans to work on in the future. So uh, something that I thought uh, Gab was able to uh, line this one up, and I do appreciate uh, you for uh, being able to do that and uh, you know get him uh, to uh, come on the podcast. So thank you so much. I do appreciate it, Gab. You're welcome. Well, awesome. Listen, well, I want to remind everybody about the social media again, uh, like I do every week. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, check out any one of those three or all three, please. And uh, like, sh- share, and copy, all that stuff. You know, tell everybody about us. And um, if you are on any of those, um, please try to uh, engage with us. Um, I'm always on those things, especially on the Instagram and also the Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm constantly on those. So if you have um, you know anything you want to engage, uh, please do it. And if you have any suggestions, anything at all, fan mail, anything, whatever, uh, you can send it to us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. So uh, you can always send that stuff there. And how to listen to the podcast, very simple. Uh, if you have an iPhone, um, all you have to do is go to your iTunes app, uh, go straight there, uh, subscribe, give a five-star review. Also leave a comment. And uh, we'd appreciate you guys doing that. The more that you can do that, um, the better it is for us. So that's your way of uh, you know giving us a little bit of uh, payback. So I do appreciate that. And uh, if you could just do that, subscribe, and it'll be downloaded to your phone every week if you want to, or it'll just give you a notification. And um, if you have an Android phone, uh, all you have to do is go to your Play Music app. Uh, it's through the Google Play app. And uh, you can just uh, search Dark Fringe Radio. Same, you know, same thing. You just look us up. It will pop right up there. And all our episodes, all the way from beginning to episode one, uh, are all on there. So if you don't have either of those, if you're looking on, um, uh, you know, looking for us on maybe a, a tablet or maybe even a laptop, you can just go to SoundCloud.com. Look up Dark Fringe Radio. We're on there as well. So um, that's our our main page there. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's how to listen to the podcast. Um, a couple shout-outs that I wanted to give out this week to a couple people, or a few people, I should say. Uh, Dustin Sear and also Sarah Bennett on Facebook, uh, they've uh, been very instrumental in sharing a lot of the information that uh, we post on there and commenting a lot there. And also on the Facebook side, Gordon Swain, uh, another individual that um, you know does a lot of uh, interacting and um, sharing of our uh, information. Also wanted to uh, thank um, Phantom Circuit on Twitter. That's a, um, a pretty cool um, uh, website to go check out. And they also have a podcast there too. And um, I want to thank them for um, engaging uh, with us at Dark Fringe Radio with a lot of stuff that we post on there on a daily basis. So that's pretty much it uh, for the intro. Gab, um, anything else for you? Uh, nothing. I think you covered everything. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, let's jump right into the news for this week. 
For 15 years, I've been trying to teach you how to write a lead. Do I have to do everything myself? Get the story, write the story? We'll do it live! Fuck it! I was looking at the James Brown wig. Fucking thing sucks! That's your kind of thing, Maria. You love doing it yourself. Sometimes, yeah. I, I can. Take Confucius say, I do not think this story had much validity. And uh, the biggest headline for this week, Gab, I'm, I'm sure you've seen, but uh, Mr. Bill Cosby indicted on three sexual assault charges. Looks like he's been found guilty finally. What's uh, What do you think about that? Ah, oh, man, Bill Cosby. You know, honestly, ever since the sexual assaults came out, I've kind of tried to stay clear of them. I didn't really want to read them because he's like my childhood to me, you know? like Absolutely. When I was growing up, I loved the Cosby show. I couldn't wait for it to come on. I mean, Dr. Huxtable was kind of like a father figure to me in a way. He was a father he was figure kind, to everyone. He was caring. Yeah, like he was just like a really great man. And then even before the Cosby show came out, you know, he had those, what, chocolate pudding pop things. I loved those as a kid. <laughs> and now come to find out. He's like taking his own chocolate pudding pop and sexually assaulting women. Like, yeah. what is wrong with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been duped. Yeah, you've been duped, and a lot of people have been duped. But, you know, listen, you know, this kind of thing happens, unfortunately. Uh, you know, there's people in this world that have their own issues, and um, fortunately, his turned into something that was uh, very uh, wrong and uh, really did a lot of uh, damage mentally and physically to women, you know, throughout the you know the years that he was in entertainment. And that's the sad part, you know, and, um, you know, he used his power to to really get these women's, uh, you know, attention and, and basically kind of groomed them in a way to, you know, make them have this trust in him. And then to, you know, next thing you know, they're passed out on a bed because they just took a drink of something that was spiked. So, it's unfortunately it's a big downfall for a guy that was pretty much at the top of you know comedy and the top of entertainment as a you know African American uh, staple uh, figurehead, and um, I mean, do you remember when he was like kind of waving his finger and like talking down to other black people as well and telling them to you know change their ways and so on and so forth? Do you remember that at all, Gab? Yeah, I do. And now he's like this huge hypocrite. Like, I really hope something bad happens to this guy. I do. <laughs> well, you know, listen, it's already already happening. So it looks like he's uh, each one of those charges can carry up to a uh, maximum of 10 years. So, you know, it looks like he's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, he's already 80 years old. So it looks like, you know, he may spend the rest of his life behind bars unless, um, you know, they give some type of leniency towards him, which they may, uh, because of his age and so on and so forth. And um, but well, you know that that will remain to be seen. But uh, well, you know it's crazy to see a, a guy like that, like you said, a figurehead in all of America, a guy that you felt like it was your dad, come to this point, and uh, it's very sad. So, well, listen, there was another thing I did want to talk about, uh, which there was a man. This happens, of course, in here in Florida because uh, Florida is the state of the most craziest shit that happens in the world. A man stabs a wife for putting a voodoo curse on him. Did you hear about this at all? I did. I read it. Did you read that? That's insane to me. Yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. yeah. Only, only in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So you got this guy in the Spanish culture. You know, there's a lot of this stuff that kind of happens where, you know, people kind of do things to each other, whether it be spells and things of that nature. And if, you know, if you believe in it, that's what they do. You know, this uh, person was taken to the hospital uh, because this couple had a dispute at a baby's arrest in Lauderhill. And it escalated to to the point where one of the victim victims was just hospitalized on Tuesday. Now, according to police, a newlywed couple was arguing in their red Nissan Rogue around 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the shopping center of uh, Commercial Boulevard, which is in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, police said that the man began to attack the female victim with a box cutter. Uh, the victim uh, then reportedly got out of the car and the man chased behind her. Uh, the investigation revealed that they were both married. It was said that the investigator... Uh, Lieutenant Mike Santiago said that somehow the witnesses were stating that the male mentioned something about voodoo. And at the time, he began cutting his wife, who was in the passenger seat, and what, what happened to it appeared to be a box cutter. And uh, she tried to flee the vehicle. When she fled the vehicle, he chased her and continued the attack. Uh, police said that there was a, another uh, quick-thinking couple that who saw the assault 
and one of the witnesses jumped in and was able to use a shopping cart to stop the 53-year-old George Hernandez from further attacking the victim. Now, the witness said that they were about to put their shopping in the trunk of their car, but then they heard the screaming of a lady, and the husband said to his wife, and something is going on there. So my wife went to look, and she said that Hector Garcia, um, who was the, the husband, saw this guy stabbing the lady with um, a box cutter. And so that's when he ran, you know, ran over and kind of uh, broke things up. But yeah, what a crazy scene. Well, I mean, could you imagine just be go- you know, going to a store and this is happening to you right in front of you? No, thank God it didn't happen inside of the Babies R Us. That would have been horrible. I know, that would have been a hell of a scene. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, these people are to the point where they're, accusing each other of doing voodoo i mean that's that's some crazy shit i mean i've seen and heard some things in the past with you know couples and things of like this happening but never escalating to the point where it gets violent like this and um you know who knows what's going on here but um it said that the victim was rushed to broward health north with uh, multiple stab wounds and she's expected to survive uh, but her injuries are very serious. While the investigation continues, uh, police said that if it weren't for the Good Samaritan, that this could have been much worse. Um, she ran over the lady. The lady is lucky in a way that my wife helped her and saved her life, said Garcia. And uh, Hernandez has been charged with attempted and premeditated murder. So, yeah, I mean, there's not really much left to the story. Wow. But, um, yeah, it sounds like, um, uh, you know, some voodoo issues happening here in uh, in, in this particular couple's uh, life that uh, really escalated to a point where somebody really got hurt. So, well, anyways. Um, for a long time. For a long-ass time, exactly. Well, uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was um, there's this uh, neighborhood in Cal- Colorado uh, called uh, Castle Rock. And um, they've had a little bit of an issue lately here, Gab. Um, Castle Rock is kind of like an upscale community where there's, um, you know, houses mm-hmm. that run anywhere from the $1.1 million to, you know, $5.5 million, you know, range of area as far as cost. And uh, so you can tell that this is a very upscale community. But unfortunately, neighbors say that wild sex parties disturb upscale community. And so there's this house, unfortunately, here in this uh, community that's having... <laughs> Uh, like really crazy <laughs> swinger parties <laughs> to the point where it's disturbing the community. I mean, what are they doing? Are they doing it on the lawn? No, they're not doing it on the lawn, but it's just the traffic. You know what I mean? You know how they just the traffic of people. Mm-hmm. So when people see traffic of people, it, it, it just, they don't like it. In uh, the residents on Avery Way in Castle Rock say that an organized sex party at one of the homes are causing parking problems and noise. So, yes, there you go. Uh, but they're mostly concerned with the sexual nature of the events and uh, any exposure to the children. Uh, one neighbor who declined to prove her full identity said that she re- uh, received a copy of the party invitation from an anonymous person who is concerned about the events. Now, that sounds like bullshit right there, if you ask me. Uh, it shows 400 <laughs> guests were invited with 87 people, including 35 couples, sending a yes RSVP. Uh, <laughs> I think this is disgusting, she said, quote, unquote. Uh, the invitation references the Thunderstorm uh, Play Palace, that's what it's called, and boasts that a 7,500-square-foot dwelling with every amenity, including alcohol, food, complete with the vegetarian menu, and chocolate fountain. So um, this risque invitation also... Uh, advises guests to bring their own condoms and show respect for the new furniture. Hmm. I wonder what they're talking about. Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the neighbor described the guest as being from all walks of life. Some of them so old they have struggled walking up the stairs, the neighbor said. Uh, she adds that the attendees uh, even brought up their own festive of refreshments. Uh, one had four crockpots showing up like they were going to go to a bunko party or something, the neighbor said. Uh, the invitation showed donations taken at the door, $70 for couples and single men, and $20 for women. So women get the huge discount there, as you can see. And the, uh, <laughs> I wonder why, <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can have a swinger party with a bunch of swords hanging around, right? Um, the party organizer, no. no, does not want to reveal his identity, but said that, uh, he is the victim of the controversy. So there was significant harassment so far that I've received, uh, from the neighbors. Uh, he said, uh, he said neighbors have tried to block his driveway with trash cans and guest cars were keyed and resulting in expensive damage. So, 
yeah, these people are, their cars are being keyed and, you know, they're just, they're completely fucking with this guy at this point because they don't like what he's doing. Um, the uh, party organizer, who is a father and husband, said he understands his neighbors and concerns, but has made extra efforts to conceal anything that might be offensive. Uh, there are no open areas you can see outside uh, to have the children or anyone see what they don't want to see, he said. Uh, he said he's also installed uh, soundproofing in the home uh, with close attention uh, paid to the basement windows. Still, the neighbors uh, say they can still hear disturbing sounds coming from the home, sounds they don't want their children exposed to. So I don't believe that. So if the house is really soundproof, they wouldn't be able to hear anything. And they're just probably saying all this shit because they just don't like what's going on in there. So uh, the uh, Castle Rock Police Department said it was working with the neighborhood HOA and city officials to investigate the issue. But the party organizer is not breaking the law because he's only taking donations and the events are contained to the privacy of his home. So, yeah, the guy organized it correctly and he did it right to the point where, you know, he had it set up as donations so they can't get him for, you know, rent running like a illegal operation out of his home. So it's, uh, you know, I could see why the neighbors would be upset. But then again, I can see why people would go overboard when it came to, you know, trying to convince other people about what's going on in this place. So what do you th- what do you think? I feel the same way. I feel like the neighbors are a bunch of whiny little bitches. I can kind of understand, like, the noise, maybe, or the traffic. I get that. But it shouldn't matter what goes on behind closed doors. I wish my neighbors were cool enough to throw a sex party. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of awesome. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I, like, believe that they're hearing these sounds come in and everything else. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just The only thing I guess I could say is the people that were throwing the party... Maybe they could have, like, rented out a venue or something and not taken it to their neighborhood because of, like, the traffic and stuff. Right. But other than that, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, teach their own. Have fun. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, what they need to do is they need to find a parking lot where they can park all these cars and then have a shuttle of some sort, shuttle these people back and forth. But even then, people, I'm sure, will have something to bitch about and still, you know, try to say, oh, they hear all these things and all these things they see and blah, 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 which is all bullshit. So, well, yeah, that's it uh, for the news for for this week, uh, Gab. And uh, we're going to be jumping into the uh, horror movie and review section here in a second. And sit tight. Who is this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead? All right, and welcome to Gab's Horror Movie and Review section of the podcast. Gab, say hello to your followers. Say hello, hello. Oh, oh, hello. How's it going? Um, not so good after I watched this movie. Oh, shit. We're going to get into it tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to get into it. Yeah, your first gaping review. Uh-oh. I'm, 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 I'm really pumped up for this one. All right. So what movie was the victim um, for this week? I chose to do The Winchester, which was a horror movie that came out earlier this year. And, you know, I kind of like to keep horror reviews in sync with the content of the show. So I thought it'd be really cool to review this movie just because it's based on a real place. Um, The Winchester mansion is supposedly like the most haunted mansion in North America and ghost hunters have been there to conduct investigations. So I felt, Hey, we got Hunter on the show. It'd be a good movie to review. Right. I I get you. I was wrong. (laughs) Not bad, huh? (laughs) Yeah, so I just kind of want to apologize because I feel like this review is going to seem more like a rant rather than a review, but because it is. Okay. I mean, I was rooting for this movie, but after 15 minutes of watching it, I was rooting for it to be over. Ooh, boy. All right, well, let's uh let's 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 break this down. So, if I'm correct, um the Winchester, I'm assuming you're talking about the Winchester House in California. Uh, that was built by the um, mm-hmm. husband and wife to, who owned the Winchester Company, which you know obviously made firearms uh, throughout. Uh, I think the Civil War, World War One, and World War Two, and still to this day. Um, am I correct? Right? Is that what I'm talking about? Yes, okay. you're correct. Okay. The movie, yeah, it's yep. <laughs> it's about <laughs> you're so you're so oh bad God, you can't even movie, put your man. words together, huh? 
this movie, so just to kind of like, I guess, throw the plot out there, it's about the eccentric uh, firearm heiress, Sarah Winchester, who believes that she's being haunted by the souls of the people killed by the Winchester rifle. Okay. So she's invited her niece, uh, her niece's son, and Dr. Price, who's like the main character of the movie, to the mansion, um, basically to evaluate her mental health while she builds this very confused house, which is more like a prison for the hundreds of vengeful spirits that she believes is haunting her family. Wow, okay. So that's that's the plot. Okay. Yeah. That's the plot. Sounds like I'm gonna, a decent I'm plot gonna so start. <laughs> plot sounds I'm good. I'm going to start with the good things about this movie because there's not too many of them. Okay, let's start with the good. Um, I don't know. It's like the movie, the setting takes place like in the early 1900s, maybe like 1906 to be exact. I don't know. I'm not good with historical dates. But I felt like the setting was good in a historical horror kind of way. You know, the wardrobe, the mannerisms, uh, the language. Even though the dialect was really, I thought, really corny, I thought it kind of fit well with the era that the movie was taking place in. Um, The lead actor, Dr. Price, who was played by Jason Clark, I thought he was well cast. You know, he had a very, like, uh, death-esque, type of feel to him, like if you think The Secret Window, I uh, guess. Okay. The best part of the entire movie was Sarah Winchester's wardrobe. Whoever dressed her did a really good job. She wore like this all-black, gothic, Victorian-style dress throughout the movie. Um, she occasionally wore like this long, black lace veil, which kind of added to like the eerie atmosphere that they were trying to create. She kind of looked like something out of a James Wan movie, kind of like Mary Shaw from Dead Silent. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, the acting was decent. It was just the content of the movie could be summed up into one word, and that was boring. <laughs> it was boring. It was a, what, a two-hour bore fest? Really that bad, huh? I wasted an hour and 40 minutes of my life that I will never get back here. <laughs> In fact, halfway through the movie, I was wishing that I had a Winchester rifle. That could blow my fucking brains out. That's how bad it is. That's a hell of a review right there, Gab. I wish I had a Winchester <laughs> rifle to blow my brains out halfway through this movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out, like, where was the horror? I mean, I know that horror doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be like a slasher or there has to be, like, lots of blood and gore in it. Right. Supernatural movies can be scary. But this movie... This movie had absolutely zero scare to it. Nothing at all. I felt like I was watching something on the Lifetime Network. This was a Lifetime movie. It was like a Lifetime movie, huh? Lifetime horror movie? Real light? (laughs) A a Lifetime horror movie. In fact, I think the children's show, Are You Afraid of the Dark, is probably scarier than that fucking movie. I loved that show when I was a kid, man. That that show was the shit, man. When I was a kid, (laughs) I loved that show. Yeah, yeah, that was the best back then. Oh, man. So I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, that sucks, man, because the premise is a good premise. You know, the the Winchester house is a very, you know, um, you know, it's one of a kind, um, especially by the way it's built inside. Uh, I'm sure if you know anything about it, that there's a lot of, um, you know, hidden corridors, corridors that lead to nowhere, and stairs that lead to nowhere. Just a lot of weird shit in uh that uh, it was built in that house. And supposedly the reason why was, I guess, Mary Winchester was uh, – trying to have the ghost kind of like not follow her. And so they would go into these like, you know, uh, you know, dead ends and shit like that and just confuse the ghost. So uh, I'm not sure if that was true or not, but that's, I heard that was one of the rumors or one of the legends from that place. But so that bad, huh, Gab? It was like, let me tell you, there was a scene in the movie where these construction workers who are building on that, you know, it shows them building and then no lie, like 30 fucking minutes later, they use the exact same scene of them building the house. Oh, I mean, the no. editing was absolute garbage. That's horrible. It was garbage. That's not good. Yeah. There's a scene. No, there's like a scene where one of the spirits, I guess it's like it needed to disappear. And when it happened, it looked like something that my nine-year-old nephew did. <laughs> the CGI was terrible. It was terrible. Make it disappear. Make it disappear. Hurry. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it didn't look very convincing. Oh. At one point, I was like, what the f- 
what the hell am I watching? Am I watching a video game instead of a movie? Like, I don't even know. And the ending, I'm just going to throw it out there because I usually don't do spoilers because I want the viewers to watch the movie. But I'm going to spoil the ending because no one should watch this fucking movie. No one. <laughs> oh, boy. Go this ahead. ending, like, listen to how cheesy this is. Okay. So you got the ending. Okay. The spirit, he's, like, attacking them. And they lay it to rest. They lay it to rest by shooting it with a bullet that has Taylor Forever inscribed on it. Boom. That's it. That's it? That's the ending. Like cheesy cornballs for real. Wow. That's it. That's that's the ending. Yeah. That's well, that's it. Listen, that is the end. When you can recognize that the B-roll footage uh, for you know them <laughs> using B-roll footage twice in a film, that's already strike number one. Um, and then this is just that ending just sounds horrible. And it's just like, again, like I said, it, it has a great premise. The story just sounds like the ex- execution was just horrible and just miserably failed in this one. It was. And after I watched it, I had to sit down and contemplate, like, do we really need another, like, ooh, ghosts are haunting this mansion. So we must appease these spirits in order to save ourselves. That's been Do we really so need many... another movie like that? I know. It's done, been done so many times. Yeah, I kind of feel like the subgenre of horror films is completely saturated. It's to the point that I feel like directors and cast members just don't even try anymore. Had this been marketed as like a supernatural drama, then I think maybe my expectations would have been a little bit different. But no, the Spirit Brothers... They attempted to do a full-on horror thriller, and guess what? It didn't work. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, neither did their last Jigsaw movie either. No, it didn't. No, so it I'm didn't. kind of becoming disinterested in their entire work altogether. Yeah. No, I hear you. You know, I feel like they use... Yeah, it's like they use these cheap, loud jump scares, which are so predictable. You can see that shit coming a mile away. Um, their execution is basic. The script to this movie, there was no life whatsoever. And honestly, I kind of got tired of them preaching about, like, gun usage. It was very anti-gun. I thought the or I, I felt like the costume and the production design were authentic. I mean, they did capture that time era, like I said. Mm-hmm. The third act was a little bit better than the first two but it just wasn't enough to save what should have been a better horror movie, in my opinion. Mm. Very unfortunate. Sorry that uh, you wasted uh, our 40 minutes of your life there, Uh, but um, at least you were able to forewarn us and save the rest of the audience the hour and 40 minutes um, of their lives so that way they won't have to go through this horrible movie. So on the uh, the 1 to 10 skull meter, where, where, where does it rank? I don't even want to give it a ranking. I felt like this movie deserved like a negative five. For real. A negative five. Oh. It never should have been made. Like, I want to go slap those brothers. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? And you put it out there as a horror movie? Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, they should know better than that. They should have a little bit more respect and, 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 and should know better. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. If you're going to be in this you know genre of, of film then do do it respect as well too you know what i mean and that's the problem a lot of there's a lot of these people that come in into this genre of film and they don't pay the respect and that's why you know nobody respects the genre of film even in you know hollywood and you know the oscars and so on and so forth they don't respect that genre of film they never have and they never will because of people like this you know coming you know coming out with crap like this this is horrible I mean, I'm not saying that they don't come out with regular shitty movies, too, but you see a lot of bad horror movies, though. There's a lot of them out there. I feel like the only reason they did this movie was so that they could say, oh, look, here we have this haunted house movie based on a real location, so now we can boast that it's inspired by what true event? I feel like that's all it was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, uh, that's a wrap for that review. Um, Is there anything of a news, Gab, um, as of late, as far as uh, horror movies? Um... A couple of things. So if there's any listeners out there that like to collect horror movies, Green Factory just announced that they're going to be releasing the Army of Darkness, The Howling, and Life Force. Um, the films, and I guess their contents this time around, is going to be packaged into their steelbook cases, which are pretty cool. I don't have any. But um, there's only going to be 10,000 of each title that's going to be produced. And I guess the official release date is going to be August 14th for the Blu-rays. 
So if you want them, you should go onto Scream Factory's website, and if you order from there, they're actually going to ship two weeks early. Nice. And also throw in, like, a lithograph of the brand-new cover illustrations. Cool. Very so that's cool. pretty good for those people that collect them. Yeah. So Army of Darkness, which other ones, again? The Army of Darkness, The Howling, the Howling. and The Life Force. Yeah, okay. Got you, got you. I own all three, the three of those movies, actually. Um, yeah, I love those movies, uh, especially The Howling. That's one of my favorite ones because that's one of the first werewolf movies I ever saw when I was a kid. So it brings back a lot of memories. But uh, Okay, cool. Anything else? Me too. Um, actually, yeah. So there's going to be, I guess last week, New Line Cinemas announced that there's going to be a third Annabelle film in the Conjuring series. And apparently with this film, writer Gary Doberman is going to make his directorial debut. Nice. So if you don't know who Doberman is or you're not familiar with him, he did like the Annabelle creation. Um, he did the new remake for Stephen King's It and The Nun. Yeah. And the movie's going to be produced by James Wan. Nice. So Perfect. that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought Annabelle creation was really good. I, I don't know about a lot of other people out there, but I thought it was really well done. Um, that, that last one was actually pretty good, at least in my estimation, but you know, um, that's what I, I thought. thought so too. Yeah. Okay, cool. I did. I liked it. Yeah, yeah I did. I speaking of movies, yeah, please. I don't know about you, but one of the biggest movies that I'm looking forward to this year is David Gordon Green's Halloween. Oh yes. And there's been a lot of news on that lately. Uh, looks like they, uh, started filming just recently and um, I think there's going to be a new trailer that's going to be up, I think, in the next two weeks already, um, according to what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, is that correct? Yeah, it is. In fact, not much has really been known about the remake up until just recently. Um, I guess some basic plot details were released after this year's uh, CinemaCon. And I'm kind of digging what I read. So it's like, as we already knew, the movie takes place uh, 40 years after the events of the original with all the sequels being, like, completely thrown out of existence. But Michael Myers, he's been locked up in the asylum. He escapes. But this time, I guess Lori isn't going to be a helpless victim. I guess she's going to be, like, um, Sharni Vinson, who plays Aaron in Your Next. Right. She's going to be, like, ready this time. Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked about seeing that. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They've been talking a lot about it um, and I'm really looking forward to it as well. I really hope they do it justice with this remake, but I, it sounds like from what I hear so far, it uh, looks like they're doing a great job. I don't even know if it's going to be a remake at this point. It's more like a retelling because they say that Lori Strode, she's prepared. Like she, her house is going to be rigged with like various safe rooms, weapons and hidden compartments. Well, that's awesome. So she's going to be hunting him. Yeah. Just as much as, He's hunting everyone out. Nice. So I'm stoked to see it. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, awesome. Well, listen, that's a wrap for uh, this week for your horror movie news and review. And uh, please tell everybody where they can follow you on Instagram and uh, catch all of the stuff that you put on on a daily basis. You can find me at Gab's Already Dead. Perfect. Awesome. So uh, we're going to be jumping into our interview with uh, Ethan Clay from The Ghost Finders. Uh, just sit tight and uh, buckle up and you'll be hearing that next. Hi, I'm Dylan Sicoccio. I'm the author of Spirit World, The Definitions, and The Tale of Anor, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. Welcome back to Dark Fringe Radio, and tonight we have a very special guest on the line. His name is Ethan Clay, and um, he is actually one of the investigators on the Ghost Finders show on Roku. And um, it's actually one of the highest, or if not the highest, rated paranormal show on the Roku channels. And um, again, I wanted to welcome Ethan Clay uh, to Dark Fringe Radio. Ethan, how are you tonight? 
I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Very good, man. Now, listen, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. And um, I know you've been talking to Gab, and uh, you know she was able to get you to come on our podcast. And I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And uh, tell me a little bit about you, Ethan. It looks like um, you grew up in West Virginia, uh, from what you know, what, what I gather. And um, it looks like in 2011 you kind of uh, made your move into like uh, getting into film and and uh, and movies and stuff of that nature. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I always uh, loved film, loved horror, just like loved that whole atmosphere. And uh, yeah, growing up in West Virginia, there's not really a whole lot uh, to help in that area. So yeah, I decided to get out of there and pursue the dream. Yeah, so it looks like you went from uh, West Virginia to North Carolina. And, um, you know, you're you going to school there and you did some short films and some mu- music videos and commercials. <laughs> and then it um, looks like you jumped on a feature film. Is that right? Yeah, that was the uh, taking of Deborah Logan way back in uh, 2013. Um, yeah, like uh, I think one of their, uh, I think it was one of their producers, like were basically looking for a little extra help because they were a little shorthanded, I believe. And basically, uh, a small bit of us from school got picked up to help, and we were all in our own little spaces. And I was in the wardrobe area and learned quite a bit, actually. It was. It was a whole, it was a whole other kind of experience being on a uh, shoot of that caliber. Yeah, I could imagine. And yeah, I could imagine. Kind of like blew me away. Yeah, you were probably sitting there taking all that information and seeing how everything works. And you know, some people, you know, that uh, well, smart people like yourself would take all that information in and see how that all comes together and apply it somewhere else. So, uh, looks like you were able to do that. And uh, looks like in 2014, looks like you continued your work into short films. Then you ended up on a on a show on Roku, The Ghost Finders, right? This is actually my uh, second season. I started uh, started last year, and it was pretty good. Like um, something I've uh, I've learned, like in this business, is like it's not really what you know, it's who you know. Right. And really, the only, one of the only reasons I'm on this show is because of my uh, sister. Like she got hooked up with them, and then she hooked me up. So yep, rest is history. There you go. Well, it looks like um, this show, it's a, it's a pretty interesting show. I watched a couple episodes, and um, it looks like Rob Thompson is the, the lead uh, investigator and producer of this uh, show. And uh, it's based in Pennsylvania, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And they're on their, it looks like their eighth season, and you've been on the last two. What are, um, you know, what are the kind of the things that you've, um, you've seen on this past season, you know, learning about what happens behind the scenes of, you know, recording, you know, a show of this caliber? I mean, you know, when we see a show like this on TV from the viewer side, we don't see the, what it takes to produce and put this stuff together. Um, and the labor that it takes. What is what are some of the things that you know maybe took you by surprise that you learned by you know looking at the you know things that happen behind the scenes there? Um, in all honesty, it all kind of took me by surprise because like uh, like I didn't know much about uh, these types of shows, like either reality shows or paranormal shows, because I wasn't I wasn't actually a big fan of either of them. So it was all a very pleasant, uh, I guess, uh, reveal, if you will. Just like how it's all done, like I know everyone does their does their own show differently, but I definitely learned a lot and I'm still learning. Just like when it comes to like the actual filming part of it, the business part of it. Oh, I mean, I learn something new every day, and just been a very very awesome experience. Very cool, very cool. So let me ask you this: um, You guys use equipment on this show, and um, what are some of the pieces of equipment that you've used? I know you're still learning some of the different pieces there. Uh, but what, what's some of the equipment that you've used, um, you know, in the past seasons uh, with the show? That ranges a whole lot. Like in terms of the uh, paranormal equipment, uh, one of the ones that I've used was the uh, K2 meter, which basically um, monitors the electromagnetic field, and if anything disturbs that, it'll light up. And then the other one was be the spirit box, which basically runs through like the radio frequencies, like forward and backwards, extremely fast to get. Um, to see if you can hear anything, getting responses. Yeah, that's actually one of the and, that's actually one of the pieces of equipment that have really uh, piques my interest is the spirit box, um, because that's like one step away, I guess, close to like being able to speak to a spirit or a ghost, you know, back and forth. Have you had pretty good experiences with that? Um, it's actually kind of fun. It's because like um, as some people call me a uh, shield, which basically means that uh, it's very, very hard for me to have a uh, paranormal experience. And it was actually our, our first shoot uh, this this new season. We were 
in an area in uh, upstate New York, and we were using a, uh, I forgot what model it was, but this is one of our new ones, and yeah, I actually got a response. I was like, I was actually very surprised, like, huh, I got a response from the Spearbox. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's that's cool. I mean, I've always been very, very interested in that piece of equipment, and uh, I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you, Ethan, in you know, during the production side of this, we're talking about pretty long evenings and days. Is that is that correct? I mean, people don't really realize what it takes to, you know, go out on an investigation and actually do the investigation. How how many hours it takes and the the painstaking part mm-hmm. of it. Um, we're talking about pretty long hours. Is that right, Ethan? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, each shoot is different. I mean, I've been on shoots, like, where it lasted an hour. Then I've been on shoots where we literally went past the 24-hour mark. Wow. But with uh, the Ghost Finders, eh, I'd say on average it's about 12, 12 hours, give or take. That's that's still a lot. That's Yeah, that's a lot of time, you know, especially to be going around in an area where there's a lot of things that are supposedly happening at the same time, you know, so... Yeah, you know that twelve hours can, <laughs> I'm sure, can feel like a couple days after you're all said and done. Um, but uh, Gab, I'm sure you had a couple questions for Ethan. Uh, yeah. So, what made you decide to get into ghost hunting? I know you said your sister kind of introduced you, but like, what kind of what's the ultimate? Like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this. There was nothing really that I like, was like, oh, I want to do this. It was something I kind of fell into. Like I said, I've always believed in spirits and ghosts and everything. Just like, like I said, like I, I tried to watch like other paranormal shows and like my ex, like she loved it and she tried to get me into it and I honestly couldn't get into it for the life of me. And the fact that I'm doing it now is just very ironic. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely fun. It's like I'm still like like even when we're on a location. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's stuff everywhere. It's like, like anytime you see me react, I mean, it's it's legit, so. <laughs> What's the most creepiest um, off-cam experience that you or your crew have encountered on set? And I'll ask you, I can't really, um, can't really think of one that happened off-camera. I mean, there's been plenty of stuff that happened on-camera. In terms of off-camera, like, the only thing I can really uh, recall was um, I was in a... Um, elevator in um uh, atlantic city and then all of a sudden out of nowhere i smelled the uh, like my grandfather it's like i always like like you know how people have that certain smell to them like like you know like who they are and like all of a sudden i smelled that out yeah. of nowhere i'm like wow that's that's weird wow that is weird that's really that's really been it like we've been fortunate enough to get most of the stuff on uh, on camera and it happened off camera, and I wasn't around. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, that's a little running joke. Is like uh, stuff seems to happen when I'm not around, and like the fact that something happened our first uh, shoot this season actually very surprised me. Would you say it's because you're a ginger and gingers have no soul? <laughs> that's one of my theories. <laughs> Oh, Gab. <laughs> you, you took the I words right one of my theories. It's like, uh, I'm definitely the, uh, I guess, for, uh, for in layman's terms, the crazy one of the group, because I'll go anywhere and pretty much do whatever, like, whether it be, like, the deepest, darkest hole I can find and just just listen, meditate. Hell, I even fall asleep sometimes. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, Ethan will go in there, right? Yeah, send Ethan there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Some of the others are like uh, are brave too, but like with me, I just don't care. Just like like how they say, it's like if you want to see something, odds are you're not going to see it. So like I put myself in situations to try to feel something, see something. Yeah, and like I said, I just like two places. Yeah, that makes sense. I recall uh, one location we went to last season. Like we actually stayed in the uh, stay, stayed overnight, and uh, the room I stayed in actually had uh, like the patient that lived there she had like uh she liked old-fashioned dolls like from like the 50s and 60s and like they still had them set up on her bed and i just slept like a baby just looked, looked over at him like night dollies <laughs> that, that that easy huh <laughs> i don't think i'd be able to fall asleep like that oh yeah i don't care wow 
Well, who decides um, and who decides what places you guys are going to investigate? Is that something like done, um, you know, at the top level, or do you guys get together as a group and come together and kind of uh, you know figure out where you guys are going to go? Uh, no, my bosses, uh, Rob and Heather, like that's all them. Like they get into contact with different places and see where they can get. Has there ever been a place where they uh, maybe have been pitched and they just decided not to go there because it may be too much of an undertaking? Um, in all honesty, uh, no. Like usually, like places they look at, they usually they usually get them. It's like there's a few instances here and there that uh, not to cancel or something like that, but that's few and far between. Like usually, like if they like if they can't get the, can't get the location, we won't even know about it. Is there anything that you do to personally prepare yourself before going into these haunted places? Um, nope. Um, probably, I guess, like, I just try to keep a uh, open mind and, uh, I guess, like, an upbeat mind. Because, like, when I'm, when my energy's off, I'm negative Nancy. It makes a shoot very, very hard to do. So I guess you could say I try to stay positive and just try to keep my energy up. Because... It just feels a lot better. Like, I don't do any kind of rituals, really. Uh, I mean, I'll meditate here and there, but aside from that, not really. Just, like, I, mean, I just try to be, like, the good old cheerleader and be like, okay, folks, let's go have some fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So that's what's up. If you could investigate anywhere in the world with, let's say, a no-holds-barred um, or an access or anything else pertaining to the investigation, where would you go? Oh, my, that list is long, but uh, uh, definitely the one at the top of my list is probably the suicide forest in Japan. Oh, yes, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's definitely on my, on my, my top list. And I probably won't come back if we ever get to go there just because, like, I've always wanted to live in Japan. But that's a whole other story. The other places, um, of course, you got Egypt. You got um, yeah, some places down south will be good, like in Louisiana. And there's one place, uh, God, I can't even remember its name. It's different. So I've uh, read about it. It's uh, it's the Island of Dolls. I think it might be somewhere in Mexico, like yeah. off the coast of Mexico it's, it's or something Mexico. like that. Yeah, it's in Mexico. Have you guys ever heard of that? Oh yeah, it's in it Mexico. Is, yeah. Yeah, we covered that in, a, in an episode. I want to spend the night there. <laughs> yeah, there was an old man who lives on that island, supposedly, and he uh, he uh, basically put all of these dolls up because there was a girl who drowned in that particular uh, river and uh, near that island. So, yeah, it's a it's a real place and pretty creepy place. Yeah, it has my name written all over it. Well, that's really cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, I know Gab will go there in a heartbeat. Uh, listen, um, <laughs> another thing I wanted to ask you. Do you ever find like some of this energy kind of follows you home at all, Ethan? Like uh, after you go to maybe a place where it's supercharged and you know a lot of things are happening, um, you know, do you feel like some of this stuff kind of comes home with you at all? Me personally, no. I mean, I know it's gone home with some other folks, but I think whatever it is about my energy or maybe it's my gingerness, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I can never bring anything home with me. I mean, it's like I'd be totally down for it, but like the ghosts are like, ah, nah, he's he's too weird. Like, well, let's let's go with one of the normal folks. <laughs> you have no soul to possess. Well, that's uh, that's cool. Well, listen, um, another thing I wanted to ask is, what was the turning point in season your first season that uh, you were with uh, the Ghost Finders, and that was kind of like a turning point for you, where you were like, okay, this shit is real. I mean, this is like this is the moment where like, okay. It, it became real for you. What What do you think that moment was for you? Hmm. That's a toughie because it probably actually be like the first one we did um, a couple months ago for the first episode. Okay. Like when I got a response from the spare box and I also smelled sulfur when I, cause like uh, we were upstairs and I laid in one of the beds and then all of a sudden I started smelling sulfur. Then some other people started to smell then it just kind of disappeared. And so, yeah, those two events is pretty much, like, the only thing that's really happened to me. So, I guess, like, even now, like, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, my God, it's all real, it's all real type thing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still very much a skeptic. Like, I do believe it's real. It's just, like, I'm not going to believe, like, stories people tell me, like, ah, see it for myself. Yeah, you're not going to hype it up. Makes sense? Yeah, perfectly, man. And I think I'd be like you in that in that way if I was in that position as well. And um, have you ever been in a precarious situation, though? Um, you know, maybe on one of these investigations, not so much from like maybe a spirit, but just from a physical standpoint, where maybe the location was kind of uh, you know not stable or kind of 
uh, unsafe? No, like most locations we've gone to have been pretty uh, pretty safe in terms of just like structurally speaking, and uh, probably like probably the only place we went to that was iffy in terms of like conditions was uh, the Wilson Castle in uh, Vermont last year. Mm-hmm. We went up there. I think it was I want to say mid March, and it was like ten degrees, with, like a negative fifteen wind chill. Wow, that was a big place with only like two fireplaces. That was a very very trying uh shoot like it was it was drop dead beautiful and uh the energy felt good it was just so cold and most of us were just trying to make sure we didn't freeze our asses off yeah yeah i can imagine so earlier today i was watching the episode when you guys had returned to penhurst so what is like the draw for visiting somewhere that you've already proven has activity mostly because just like um just like anything else i mean like things can change for better or for worse or say the same and a lot of times like go back to a place and it's different whether it be a little bit or a lot so like there's always like some reason to go back because you never know what might what what you might find did um did you have to do any kind of like training or did you have to undergo any training to be on the show i did not i just had to know what i'm doing pretty much yes like this business is it's a difficult business but like uh all you like, all it takes is just you just show up, do your job, and just be dedicated. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, listen, that's uh, that's that's what it's about. And um, you know, you you obviously do a good job on this uh, this show, The Ghost Finders, and you're on your second season now. And um, you know, you're, you've taken on this uh, project. What are some other projects that you may be you know looking to do in the future? Uh, so far, just uh, short films, pretty much. I mean, like, I'll like friends will bring me on to music videos or commercials here and there, but Usually, I try to get uh, a lot of my horror short films done. We just uh, shot a uh, horror film back in October called uh, The Bargain. It's uh, based on Creepypasta about Slenderman. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. We're working on the CGI to that right now, so hopefully to get that out here soon. Wow, interesting. And aside from that, uh, yeah, just uh, mostly horror films and just trying to get the, trying to get stuff out there. Uh, when do you anticipate that uh, that film to be coming out? The one that you just wrapped up, um, you know, producing in October. Uh, well, I'm hoping, like, hoping within the next week or so. Oh, like, really? That's that CGI is very, very tedious. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Let's let us know, and we'll definitely um, try to um, you know uh, push that out there as much as we possibly can, and we, you know we'll support anything that you put out there. Ethan, I do appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast and uh, you know talking about the uh, the Ghostfinders um, TV show. Um, you know, we definitely uh, wish you guys uh, much luck and success in the future. Uh, hopefully, you guys uh, you know get picked up by uh, even bigger channels and bigger outlets and stuff like that. Um, uh, Gab, you have anything else you wanted to ask Ethan uh, before we uh, let him go for the rest of the night? Sure. Um, is there anything that you'd like to say to the people who think that these ghost hunting shows are kind of hokey and staged? Uh, I'll say that uh, don't... Uh, uh, how to say it? Don't be... Um, don't generalize everything. Like, don't don't say like, oh, oh, they're all they're all crap. Like, they're all the same. Just like, yeah, like there are shows out there who um, deliberately fake stuff just to get the ratings up and everything. But like, don't don't tell them all like like just because one's bad doesn't mean they're all bad. So give everything a chance, like a case by case basis. Like, don't doom them all. Don't doom everything because of the actions of one. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I could understand that. You yeah. Know, yeah, because there's there's a lot of good ones out there. Unfortunately, you know, the the few bad apples give the whole bunch of bad names sometimes. And I think the uh, that particular part of the community of the you know paranormal investigating side of the community, uh, you know, gets hit with that a lot, unfortunately, uh, and not not justly so. So again, you know, like uh, Ethan says, you know judge each one by its own self, not the whole thing. But uh, awesome. Anything else, Gab? No, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, definitely, anytime. Definitely been a pleasure talking to you guys and just telling you about the paranormal world. 
anytime you want. Yeah, absolutely, Ethan. And um, again, um, you know, we can find you on the uh, Ghost Finder show on Roku. And um, when does that air? What, what uh, days does that air normally, Ethan? Well, go on Roku and then like make sure you're subscribed to the uh, Paranormal channel. And then as soon as they're edited, they will be on there. Perfect. Yeah, that's the Paranormal Reality HD Zone on Roku, and uh, they also <laughs> webcast on YouTube, and um, uh, they also have their Facebook page on Ghost Finders, so you can uh, check that out on Facebook. Again, Ethan Clay, thanks so much for uh, coming on Dark Fringe Radio, and I'm sure we're going to have you on in the future, especially to talk about that uh, that creepy pasta film that you're coming out with regarding the Slender Man. I think that's going to be a great uh, discussion. I really want to talk to you about that when that comes out, so uh, expect to uh, come back on our show. How's that sound? Sounds good to me, man. Can't wait. All right, Ethan. Listen, thanks again so much. Uh, Ethan Clay with The Ghost Finders on Roku. Check them out. Uh, he'll be on the second season coming out here very shortly. And uh, make sure to find uh, The Ghost Finders on Roku. Again, thanks again for Ethan Clay for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. And, uh, Ethan, thanks. Have a good night. Thank you for having me. You guys have a good night. All right, Ethan. Thanks a lot, man. And welcome back to Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, I want to thank Ethan Clay again uh, from the Ghost Finders. What a great interview, and thanks again for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it, and hopefully you'll come back again. Uh, give us a little bit more insight on what's happening in the new season that's coming up, and uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, of course, that brings uh, Jay into the fold. I know you kind of missed the interview in uh, the beginning part of the podcast, and that was just due to some scheduling issues, but we got you in here for What to Watch and Dick of the Week, so... Uh, what do you have for this week for what to watch, Jay? Uh, well, thank you for uh, for getting me on here, uh, even at the tail end. Sorry for all the scheduling issues, and uh, I look forward to hearing the the interview next week when it comes out. Um, as far as my what to watch, there's a there's a new show. It's actually a second season in. Uh, it's called Brockmire. Uh, Brockmire is is created and it's based on a character from. Uh, Hank Azaria. Do you know who Hank Azaria is, Will? Yeah, he uh, does the voice for like a bunch of Simpsons characters, correct? That's exactly correct. He's also been in movies like Birdcage and Along Came Polly, uh, among many other things. Yeah. So what what he does, he plays this very 1970s style uh, baseball announcer living in today's world is going through just a shitstorm <laughs> of bad things happening to him. Uh, have you heard anything about the show, Will? No, not at all. What uh, what station is this on? It's I believe it's on Stars, but you stream you can stream it on Hulu. Oh, okay, okay. I'll check that out. So as long as you can get yeah, as long as you can get Hulu, catch up. I'm only a, a handful of episodes into the first season, but uh, within the very first episode, it literally had me laughing. It's, something happened that was so funny. I laughed, no lie, periodically throughout the day. <laughs> You're just thinking back on it and just you know reliving that moment over and over again. That yeah, he's he's there, and uh, I'm not going to get into any uh, anything really specific as far as the setup to it. Uh, aside from the fact that he you know he's, he's gone through a divorce and has a lot of hatred for his ex-wife, so he's 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 in a dark place, and he hands his boss this note saying that he's going to be killing himself. So he says, "Please, when I kill myself, give this to my dear sweet Lucy." And she opens up and she goes, it just says, fuck you. And he goes, she'll know what it's regarding. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. So Brockmire, huh? And just the way he delivers it, it's, it caught me. I had watched it. I've gone back to watch that episode a couple times just to hear his delivery of it. It's, the show is great. Again, it, it is a bit dark, but it's dark funny. He's hooked on drugs and he's got a unbelievable addiction to alcohol and but the way he the pictures he paints with his words through this kind of uh this dark place is it, it's hilarious it's fucking funny yeah brock meyer um uh, i want to say it's on it's on stars it's definitely on hulu i suggest everybody check it out i can't wait to be i can't wait to get to the second season which just started uh last week nice nice yeah and uh Hank, he's an underrated guy. He doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. You know, um, you know, uh, he's one of those really funny, genuinely funny people. 
in, in cinema. And a lot of people forget that he was in the birdcage, of course, uh, next to Robin Williams. And what a great, great actor. And, you know, like I said, uh, I, I think anything that comes out of him is going to be good. So great. Yeah, that's a great pick, man. I'll definitely have to check that out. Brockmire on uh, Hulu and uh, we'll check that out. All right. Well, that brings us uh, to the crescendo of the podcast, which is uh, Dick of the Week. Jay, who do you have this week? Actually, I don't have a Dick of the Week. I have an anti-Dick of the Week. Oh, we're taking a back one. I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, last week's Dick of the Week, uh, if anybody listened to the podcast, which came out as we're uh, recording this this evening, it came out this morning on Wednesday. Uh, my Dick of the Week was LeBron James for the feud he was having with um, Nick Saban over the whole thinking he'd create a barbershop. I still stand by my dislike of LeBron James. I, I don't think he's as great as he likes to be. He's a great basketball player. I don't take that away from him. So anyways, he, after one of the, uh, one of the series with the Spurs, after one of the first games, it was posed to him. He was being interviewed and the coach of the Spurs, Greg Popovich, his wife had actually passed away earlier that day. Um, and as he was being interviewed, uh, the, the woman interviewing him brought that up. Now I'd ask you to, to pull up that sound. Do you have it, Will? Yeah, I have it here ready. Let me go ahead and uh, shoot that over. Hold on one second. Uh, my guys kept coming to me, and I was able to make a couple buckets and start the game. LeBron, during this game, we got the really devastating news. The Spurs announced that Aaron, Coach Popovich's wife, officially passed away. I know you're close with Pop. Any words or thoughts you'd like to share with him? I'm a huge Pop fan. Uh, I love Pop. Um, that's, a, that's such a tragedy. And, um, you know, my best wishes goes out to, to, to Pop and his family. Uh, I know that's, that's devastating news. And um, holy shit. Um, kind of a loss for words there, huh, Jay? He is at a loss for words. He, he, has, he really does have a great um, a great reality. A great- Per, uh, not personal, a great relationship, rather, with uh, Greg Popovich and his wife. Yeah, that's what it seems. Hold on. NBA family, we all stick together. I know we compete every night, uh, but something like this happens. It, it puts everything in perspective. So, uh, you know, I send my, I send my, uh, my, my well wishes and my prayers up to the heavens above. I know the man above never makes a mistake, even when you sometimes have to um, ask why, but. That's just terrible news, and um, yeah, best of luck to Pop, man, and, and everybody in San Antonio, the whole Spurs family. That's all I can say, Ali. LeBron, thank you so much for your time. You guys, our thoughts and prayers. So there you go, Jay. So this is why he's my anti-dick of the week, uh, which is funny because he was last week's dick of the week. So <laughs> uh, after this interview was done, everybody was taken aback, and a lot of people took the social media and, and uh, you know, Twitter, and they started just railing on this, this interviewer saying, you know, how, how dare she bring that up at that moment and catch LeBron, try to catch LeBron off guard. Who does she think she is? And this is why he's my anti-dick of the week. LeBron James came out the next day and said that she actually, she didn't catch him off guard with that question. She had actually prepped him and said that she was going to talk to him after the game and ask him that question, was he okay with it? And he said he was okay with it, and he really stood up for her and, and defended her and defended the work she did and said that she went through the right channels and did the right things, and the reason why he was emotional as he was was because he really does care for, uh, for the Popoviches and, and really does have that sense of loss, but uh, in no way, shape, or form did this interviewer uh, do anything wrong. But you wouldn't know that unless he came out and said that. And he really could have let her just be out there and, you know. Yeah, he didn't have to do, do the, shits about it. And he didn't, just, have to do sh- didn't have to do shit. Exactly. But he did the right thing. He, he gave her the credit she so, so rightly deserved. He gave her an answer uh, to a really difficult question at a really difficult time. Uh, and his answer would be as best as any of us could try to piece together after a really close playoff game uh, and then finding out, that uh, a friend lost his wife that very day. In fact, a friend that he had to play against, a friend whose team he beat that night. Uh, you know, 
I couldn't imagine the emotions he was going through. So to keep himself composed like that as he did. Yeah, no, he's a class you know, act. He's a class act. I mean, the way he handled that, it. That, that's a class act. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know what? You know, that's a, another lesson learned to you fucking trolls on Twitter and Facebook and whatever fucking social media jumping on that lady right away. That serves you fucking right. And there you go. Stop jumping on things before you even do any research. Do some research first before you get outraged with this fucking fake outrage and, uh, and, and, and all this snowflake bullshit that you guys out there, you know, Twitter trolls and, oh, I'm offended by this. Oh, I'm offended by that. And do your research and then make assumptions after. But do your research first, please. Don't be a dickhead. But yeah, absolutely, Jay. So, yep, LeBron is last week's dick of the week and this week's anti-dick of the week. There you go. Well, it sounds like redemption for Mr. the the King, uh, Mr. LeBron James there. King James. And King James, absolutely. And all right, well, listen, um, that's a wrap for this week, Jay. And um, uh, again, everybody, if you could uh, check out the social media on uh, all three fronts, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Dark Fringe Radio. Um, all our stuff is on there. We post uh, new episodes on a weekly basis there, and you can check out all the daily stuff that we post as well. So, um, again, if you have any suggestions, any questions, comments, you can send it over to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Will Martinez for Jay Golosi and Gab. Uh, Jay, anything else for the rest of the week? Don't be a dick-ass troll. There you go. Absolutely. Again, uh, that's Dark Fringe Radio, and we'll catch you on the flip side.